0: If you lived in New York during the last election cycle, you probably know who Nicole Malliotakis is.
1: We have returned the 11th Congressional District to Republican hands. (laughs) And we will bring the Republican and conservative values that we hold
0: so dear in our community to Washington. Today, she's Congresswoman-elect from New York's 11th congressional district, which includes Staten Island and part of South Brooklyn. Malia Takis is joining a record number of Republican women who've been elected to Congress, and her first days in office will likely include a showdown regarding a COVID relief package. In recent weeks, Staten Island has seen the number of infected residents rise, and the COVID-19 death rate is now higher on Staten Island than any other borough in New York City. Unlike some of her colleagues who represent solidly red or blue districts, Malia Takis represents a purple one. I started by asking her about the issues that animated the 2020 campaign.
1: Well, certainly law and order was a top issue in this campaign. Um, under Democratic Party rule here in the city and the state, uh, crime has skyrocketed due to a number of criminal justice reforms that have been put in place and have led to career criminals being released back onto our streets. Um, And so uh, people are seeing firsthand uh, how crime has skyrocketed, everything from shootings to murders to burglaries are up uh, significantly. And they are very much concerned about that. And also a socialist defund the police movement that Actually led to a billion dollars being cut from the NYPD budget.
0: Let's talk about the the other big issue, of course, which is is COVID and the pandemic and its impact. Recently, new data has come out showing that Staten Island has has one of the highest uh, infection rates and and one of the highest death rates, certainly the highest death rate in the in the city. Why do you think that is, and what do you think should be done to help make sure those numbers go down?
1: Well, the the track and trace program that um, has been in effect has identified that a large majority of uh, the COVID positives are from within the same households, that it is spreading within people's homes. Staten Island is, uh, as I said, not only a very family oriented uh, community, but most people live in houses and they could have multiple generations living in that same home. It's not uncommon for uh, large family sizes to live together uh, in, under the same roof. So that is, I believe, part of the problem is that, that family living, it's very different than, let's say you're living in a studio apartment in Manhattan, just a, a single person. Um, so that, I believe, is part of the problem. I, I, I would suggest, and, and you know what I do, is when I'm with my parents, I wear my mask. When I'm when I'm eating with them, uh, I, I always sit in a separate room just because they're elderly and they're vulnerable, uh, and I take that extra precaution. And I think that people, you know, with this new data that's showing that it's spreading in living rooms, uh, that we need to take that into account and be mindful. I think some people come home and they are they, a little a little more lax because they're around their loved ones uh, and they may not. You know, realize what's happening, or, or or someone who is, let's say, positive in the household not being uh, properly separated from the rest of the family. Um, you know, so if if someone's feeling symptomatic, um, then they they need to get a test as soon as possible to to rule out you know whether it's
0: COVID or not, so they could take that extra precautions. There's been a high-profile case, in. Staten Island with a pub owner who said that these orange zone restrictions were too onerous, the restrictions telling you that you have to only serve people outdoors, they can't come inside to eat. And um, you had been supportive of his protesting this, and and there were folks who actually sort of took things into their own hands and went into the bar and stood around and were packed together. How do you how do you balance this, though? What you're, you know, this idea that people have to take responsibility, as you said, yeah. for not bringing the disease into their own homes, and yet at the same time, they're the reason that these orange or whatever zones were created was to try to ensure that people don't get sick in a in a eating establishment and then bring it back to their house. Yeah, but
1: the, so so the issue is that the tracing program has not identified restaurants as a source of the problem. It has not identified hair salons, or gyms as a source of the problem. Yet in the orange zone, the governor has shut down all three. So I I certainly think, look, I I go to restaurants uh, and I'm cautious. I wear my mask. Uh, you know, the, the tables are socially distanced, um, and we take responsibility and we're cautious, right? Um, I, I and I, and that is the way any restaurant that's operating should be operating. So I, you know, I don't, I don't agree with people being jammed in a room, uh, with no masks, not socially mm-hmm. distancing. I think that we need to be responsible. And the one way that we can actually, as the public help these small businesses is be, by being responsible and following those guidelines when we are in these establishments, um, so, so like Governor Cuomo on Monday said that hair salons and gyms are not where you're seeing a lot of the spread. So why are they being shut down in the orange zones? Uh, the second thing is uh, in terms of the restaurants. The tracers have not been able to identify that indoor dining is an, a source of the spread. Uh, they've been able to provide no data. We've made repeated requests uh, and they've they've not provided any information on you know what they're doing to justify this being uh, shut down. So so really, in my opinion, this is an arbitrary restriction uh, just based on that, based on the fact that they don't have data to support it. Um, and so so that I think is is the issue. Um, and I think that you know we just need to we need to continue to work together. I think what I what I what I tell my, my friends, my constituents, you know, we need to abide by those safety guidelines. And that is how we're going to help, you know, our loved ones. That's how we're going to help our frontline healthcare workers. That is how we're going to help these small businesses. Um, But I'm very concerned about the governor potentially shutting all indoor dining citywide uh, as early as next week. He's, he's considering it. I think that's very detrimental to our economy. We need more of a balanced approach to addressing this. And, and
0: what I had mentioned earlier would be my approach. Right. So you're saying, too, if if an establishment puts up a sign that says, in order to come in here, you need to be wearing a mask. And, and the, that's just the bottom line. You're saying that's appropriate. And if someone's not wearing a mask, they shouldn't be in there. That ultimately, the rules of the establishment should be followed. You think that would be enough without the, govern, the government, whether it's the state or a federal, making well, I think it a mandate. It's not
1: the rules of the establishment, it's the CDC guidelines.
0: Right. You know, and that, they would that, put those up theoretically saying, look, yeah. the CDC tells us if we do indoor dining, we need to have masks. The only way you can come in here, you got to wear a mask. If people are complaining or saying, I refuse to do that, what recourse do those restaurant owners have to make sure that their, their place is safe?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's just, they, they don't allow people in if they're not following the CDC guidelines. I mean, I think that m- most restaurant owners I know, the restaurants that I've gone to, they've been very responsible. Uh, you know, they, they abide by all the regulations. They've they have set up social distancing. They've set up outdoor tents. Uh, they've, they've um, you know, in some cases, um, you know, maybe, maybe even kept parties to small numbers. Um, they've made sure that their staff is wear, properly wearing their masks. Um, and they're ensuring that when people get up to a table to go to the bathroom, that they're, you know, wearing their masks. Uh, with, and so I think that you know mo- most of the restaurants that I've been in, uh, they comply with the CDC uh, recommendations. And they're being responsible because they want to they want their business to stay open. They don't want to be shut down. They don't want to see, uh, you know, indoor dining be restricted. And so they're following those guidelines. But, you know, they, they need government to at least work with them.
0: As you're watching this stimulus bill sort of plod along as it has for for months here in Washington, it may end up in front of you all when you come in for the new Congress. Um, what to you are the important things that are included in a stimulus bill, if you if you believe there should be one, I guess is the first place to start. Mm. And if if it does end up that it is punted to the next Congress, how likely is it that you think there could be a bipartisan solution? How committed are you to making that happen?
1: Well, I'm I'm very committed. I'm hopeful that they will pass it in this Congress because time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. Unemployment Mm -hmm. checks are going to be expiring at the end of this month. You're going to have uh, small businesses that are going to just close every day is is a challenge. And the longer it takes for this PPP money to get to communities and to small businesses, um, the harder it's going to be for these guys to hold on. And I think that, you know, it's really important that time is of the essence that they pass a relief package now. I'm, I'm disappointed, you know, I'm disappointed that, Nancy Pelosi really played politics with this and and tried to put in all this ideological stuff for months and would refuse, I think, to negotiate in good faith. I think that she had some good offers coming from the White House uh, that incorporated a lot of what they wanted, but left out the ideological stuff like, uh, you know, putting bail reform in there and a, a blanket release of convicted felons over a certain age. Um, election law changes, like things that had nothing to do with COVID relief. And I think that that was really awful to to witness this, that, you know, putting ideological uh, wish lists ahead of the immediate needs. I mean, on, on a number of occasions, I think 41 times the House Republicans attempted to at least get language passed that would release already allocated PPP funds to already approved small businesses. And there are a couple in this district that have been waiting for PPP money, but because this language, simple language to release the money has not been passed, they've been waiting for months because you know there was that, that expiration date for distributing the money um, and th- it hasn't been extended that date. So that to me is horrible that they would put these small businesses in a situation where they can't receive this money Uh, And and I always felt that, you know, the House should have put aside the differences and just passed that simple language. If they couldn't agree on the other stuff, at least pass simple language to do that part. Since they can agree, I would think, that small businesses should receive this already allocated money um, as they worked on the other components. Uh, But I think that, look, I, I support a relief measure. I think it needs to be tailored. It needs to be specific to the needs of uh, Americans and struggling small businesses, I think that it all, you know, it, it just and it needs to pass swiftly and shouldn't include anything that's non-COVID related.
0: Right. What about? I mean, one of the big hangups, obviously, what we've been hearing about, especially in the Republican Senate side, is money going to state and and local um, to states and localities. New York, obviously, very hard hit by the pandemic especially early or in the spring do you think that it is important to ensure that there is money in there for those communities that have already blown through their budgets and are looking at huge gaps
1: yeah look, i i want of course i want my city and state to receive more federal funding Uh, I also want to ensure that it's being spent properly. I think that there needs to be certain commitments, certain restrictions in place to ensure that that money is going to be used appropriately Mm -hmm. and to deal Mm -hmm. with the pandemic. Um, And so that's my position on it. I know, you know, even our MTA is struggling tremendously our, which is our transit system here in New York is, Mm -hmm. is, is suffering significantly due to lack of ridership because the economy has been shut down. They need assistance, Uh, And I and I support some assistance going to them. But again, it has to be used appropriately um, and and perhaps with restrictions in place. One of the things that I've suggested um, is right now there's no grant program from the state. Some states like California, New Jersey have offered some grant programs to small businesses that have been mandated to shut down. Uh, and, and, and here in New York, where we have these orange zones and red zones and Governor Cuomo continues to shut them down, there should be relief. And, and you know these are small businesses that paid taxes for so many years, and they deserve to get some of that money back if they're being shut down by government mandates. And so I, I, I believe that a, a portion of this money should be used toward providing some type of relief for those struggling small businesses that are being shut down, no fault of
0: their own. Next week, the the Electoral College is, is going to certify the results. Um, what are your expectations? Do you think by next week, the, the president should concede, especially we are likely to get to a place where there are no more lawsuits that are pending?
1: You know, I, I don't know. I mean, every day, it seems that there's, you know, more witnesses, more evidence, there's affidavits. I think it needs to be heard. Um, you know, my, my concern is that there were so many in the Supreme it's- Court,
0: do you think? Or you're saying? I, 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 well, number one, the, the states are having
1: hearings that should play out. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, if granted a court date, that they should be able to, you know, it, it depends on which state we're talking about. And again, I'm, I'm in New York, so I don't know, exactly what's happening in in terms of the hearing processes in the the states. But I do believe that any questions of irregularities and fraud need to be thoroughly investigated. I think there's nothing wrong with that, ensuring that, in fact, I think our republic deserves to have that done, flushing out any concerns of irregularities or fraud. Remember, this election year is very different because a lot of rules, a lot of uh, laws changed to accommodate uh, more absentee ballots, and you know whether it's you know we have to make sure that people are submitting these absentee ballots are submitting submitting them legally. Uh, I, I could tell you in my district, we found a number uh, of of dead voters that voted via absentee ballot, uh, and and same thing has happened in other races in New York. So I, I'm not as familiar with what's happening in these particular right. states but I do believe that it needs to be flushed out and heard. And, 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 so you, you don't know, think
0: that's... all of the other cases and all of the other, again, secretaries of state, state legislatures, others who have said, you know, we've done recounts, we've canvassed, we've gone through these affidavits, there's nothing there. Like, what, what, I guess my question is, when does it sort of end? How, how are you going to feel like it has been resolved?
1: Well, I think what's going to happen on uh, Monday with the Electoral College will be mm-hmm. a significant th- step. And we'll have to see how that all plays out. I mean, I, I think you know, we'll have to see w- w- if the president, uh, if his legal team uh, feel that they have uh, enough to move forward uh, in challenging. But, I, you know, I think the Electoral College, once the votes are cast probably um would determine the future i I, you know again i i think that you know we have to see how what plays out between now and next week and and that's i think will be very i think i think they'll answer itself
0: nicole maliotakis is the congresswoman elect from new york's 11th district this conversation is part of an ongoing series where we speak to new members of congress ahead of their first days in office at politics with amy slash freshman Special thanks to the WNYC local politics team for their help.
1: You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at the New Yorker. So join us every week on the New Yorker Radio Hour,